0: Everything that you are claiming, you have to back it up with proof. If we say that we are helping marginalized and vulnerable populations through our clients' work, right? Because we work with charities that help the homeless, we help charities that feed the poor, et cetera, et cetera. We actually had to go and itemize how many causes we support that support women's equality, for example, or that help the homeless or that help, you know, and I had never really tracked any of that information. You know, they were just, of course, we have a database, a basic database for our business, but we weren't tracking the things that mattered. We were tracking traditional business metrics,
1: (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. profitability, revenue, sales. Every company has to be profitable in order to be sustainable. That's the reality. Now, what you do with those profit, that's your decision. You can choose to use the business profit to the benefit of all stakeholders or to the benefit of shareholders alone. When you create products or services to provide solution to the global issues and use profit to benefit people and our planet, you are technically disrupting traditional capitalism. You are building a social enterprise. You are building a business as a force for good. Some social enterprises push further because they want to hold themselves to a higher standard of measuring, improving, and communicating their positive impact in the world by earning certification as a B Corporation. So this week, we are continuing our journey in this B Corp podcast series to explore the ins and outs of the processes, the struggles, and the benefits of becoming a certified B Corporation. We also continue to discuss how to balance between achieving your social impact mission and profitability. In last week's episode, I chatted with the leaders from the B Lab Canada the nonprofit organization that created and continues to award the B Corporation certification to companies. If you didn't have a chance to listen to our conversation, I invite you to go to Christinashahli.com forward slash her CEO journey. This week, I'm joined by a woman founder who has successfully led her company to earn the title of a certified B Corporation since 2017. Kim Fuller is the founder and CEO of Phil, a Canadian-based agency that creates fundraising and communication strategies and tools specifically for socially mission organizations and businesses. We talk about her journey in becoming a certified B Corp, how the B Corp communities changed her business trajectory, and her financial journey to balance between mission and profit. You're listening to Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for mission-driven women entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Christina Shahli. If you are new here, a big warm welcome. If we are not connected on LinkedIn, please reach out and say hi because that's where I hang out and share my business finance tips. If you have been listening to this podcast for a while and you are a regular listener, I want you to know I appreciate you. My podcast won't be around without your support. This is a free weekly show where my guests and I want to inspire you to balance between mission and profit, to create an impact in this world, and to achieve financial equality through your business. When you are building a business as a force for good, you have this big sense of responsibility, not only to take care of your family, but also to take care of your employees' well-being, your suppliers, your customers, communities, and our planet. Which means profitability is not an option. Managing your cash flow is not an option. I really want you to take a few seconds to imagine this moment where you have been planning for growth, getting to a revenue level of a million or a million and a half maybe. At this stage, likely you are building your team. You are hiring more. But then, there is a moment where you need to pay all of your employees payroll time. You look at your bank account. Then realize there isn't enough money to pay all of your employees. As a CEO and founder, that's a horrible, horrible feeling to have. Especially you know you have a significant revenue growth. You don't need more stress. You don't need to lose sleep at night over this. Maybe there is one solution to avoid the stress and guilty feeling as a founder. What if what you need is as simple as a cash flow planner? What you need is a regular meeting with a trusted advisor to talk about cash. How much cash is coming in? How much cash is going out over the next three to six months? Is there any cash flow gap that you need to watch over? If you don't have a trusted advisor yet, I would love to connect with you. Book a time to speak with me at KristinaShahli.com forward slash Let's Chat. Now let's find out Kim's CEO journey. Kim Fuller, welcome to her CEO journey. So Kim, you are part of the B Corp series I am very excited to speak with you, especially because your business is all about marketing. So before we dive in into why you're choosing to be B Corp certified, let's start with your journey because I know you've
0: been in business like 20 years plus. Yep, this is, gonna, this is our 21st year. I finished university and got a degree in graphic design. And I knew that I wanted to go into advertising. My parents before me had been in the advertising world. I grew up in that space. I was interested by it. I was always a very creative individual and saw a lot of opportunity to go into that line of work. So when I graduated university, I got uh, a job in a small agency, got my feet wet, learned what it was like to be a junior graphic artist and work under an art director and a creative director and and work on some traditional advertising campaigns for for a variety of businesses. It didn't take me long before my entrepreneurial spirit was stronger than I had expected. (laughs) My parents had raised me to always give back to, to the community. They had set an example in raising me to always do my part to support the community. So I was really trying to find the marriage between that need to help others and support myself and support my family. So when I started my agency, I started it with both markets. I was helping the for-profit community and the non-profit Mm -hmm. because I had no proof of concept. I had no I had no way of knowing that I could actually sustain a business serving the charitable sector. In fact, mm-hmm. most people thought I was crazy to even try.
1: <laughs> I um, don't blame them because I, you know, you wonder, right?
0: Well, they said they, the charities have no money, they don't spend money on that. They always try to get f- stuff for free. What are you doing trying to, you know, work with them? But I figured there was a way that I could I could figure it out. And so um, for the first several years of my business, I served for-profit companies. And then gradually, I started making a name for myself in the not-for-profit space, started getting more and more clients. And so we developed a second brand within three, four years of opening the business, and we called it Phil. And Phil means love in ancient oh, Greek, so okay. that's that's why it's not named after my husband or my what? son. Or oh, you like know, that. I wonder about that. <laughs> <laughs> we joke that it's my alter ego, but no it was uh, it was a way for us to continue to test the brand and that market. And so, gradually, I would say by year six or seven of running the business, we were really holding strong in that place, there wasn't any competition locally at all in those days. Social enterprise was still not even really a thing. And so we were alone in our space and we gradually uh, let the for-profit side of our business die off into the sunset and grew and continue to grow uh, the charitable sector. And uh, we've been solely focused on the charitable sector and socially missioned businesses uh, because we now include those. We'll basically work with anybody who's trying to do good in the world. And so that used to be church and charity. But now with social entrepreneurship, there is a much larger market. So things are starting to get interesting for us. You're working
1: with social entrepreneurs to work on their advertising, on their marketing campaign. Is that what you're doing?
0: A lot of people who are trying to find the balance between profit and planet are struggling how to present that to their stakeholders. And so having worked many years on that ourselves in that position, we offer advice and and services to, to companies who are looking to highlight the good that they're doing so that they can grow their business A lot of these people don't know how to articulate that. They know how to sell their products or their services, but they don't necessarily know how to play up the good that they're doing. So that's where we feel that we have something to offer socially missioned businesses. Uh, We work with a lot of solopreneurs who are doing a lot of good work on their own without having a full-on business necessarily with staff. But basically, we're happy to work with anybody who's really just trying to do good in this world.
1: What are the process that you take your clients to figure out what is that authentic storytelling? How to show people that you are doing business for the greater goods, not only for
0: profit. The consumers today are so savvy. They're so informed. They can look things up. They can find everything's at their fingertips. They can Google and look for anything. So the first thing that we try to do is uncover what actions is the company doing that really makes it stand out apart from its competition or its other, um, you know, what the other offerings are? And then we focus on how to play that up in a tasteful way so that it doesn't seem too braggy, so that it doesn't seem, you know, like you're trying to guilt the rest of the world <laughs> into, into doing well good as well, but in a way that it matters to the consumer it's important to showcase their goodness. And then the stories just start bubbling to the top and then we put them out there and and then we watch and we watch how people react to them and we watch if it improves engagement. And then if it does, we keep at it. And if it doesn't, then we know we have to re-examine the situation. But I think that there's been a long history of companies that have been almost shy or afraid to speak of the good that they were doing because if you're doing good then how can that be good business? <laughs> you know, it's almost like you have to be cutthroat and evil to make yes. it. And and that's been something that I've been trying to reconcile for the last 20 plus years is how do we reconcile profit and people and planet and so on. On. And it's possible, but we just, as a corporate culture, have to accept that they're not exclusive—one of one of uh, one the other. You can make a profit for your business and do good for the planet, for its people, or you know, for animals, whatever your your cause may be. They don't have to be exclusive.
1: So, can you talk about how does Phil adopted this
0: concept of? business for good? Well, for us, our big aha moment was when my intern about five years ago came to me and said, Kim, you got to hear about this. It's called B Corp. And I said, what? And she said, yeah. Hey, It's really cool certification. And we we were born a B Corp. We have to do this. (laughs) And so I, I looked it up and I said, wow, this is really interesting because their tagline was business for good. And I thought, holy cow, this is what I've been doing for 15 years. And I had no idea that there was a whole community of businesses out in the world who had the same values as me, who were trying to, you know, push the needle the same way I was. And so she started the certification with me. And then she went and studied abroad <laughs> six months later and was gone and left me. <laughs> with, with half the certification unfinished, and it took me about a year to get around to finally say, "Okay, enough is enough I'm going to do this and so i finished it's It's two hundred questions that you have to answer on your business, and it, t- it takes you through governance and how you treat your employees and what you know what you're doing for the plan and it's very, very, very detailed and so in addition to running my business and trying to take care of my clients, I had a really hard time carving out moments so that I could finish uh, the certification. But we did. And we certified in 2017. And we just recertified in February of 2020. So it's been, uh, it's been an... Exciting road so far. And uh, we really feel like we found our tribe. These are, these are other businesses uh, who are working towards the same goals as we are. And I've learned a tremendous amount through the B Corp community because we have all sorts of platforms and ways of connecting and we host events and virtual events.
1: I believe you have to reach 80
0: points, right? Which doesn't seem like a lot, but it is impressive to see what uh, the details, because it's not enough to say that you're doing things. I should say that the B Corp certification helped us operationalize and formalize these practices that we already had, but they weren't really written down. They They were just happening.
1: Yeah. It's part of your how you run your business, but it's not documented. That's what you're exactly. saying.
0: Exactly. And and so if it's not documented, it's not consistent, right? <laughs> and it's not tracked and it's not followed up on and so on and so forth. So that's what I really appreciated going through this process was that it helped it was like one of the best strategic planning exercises i've ever done for my business and that's what it helped it just helped pull everything together and give us such clarity on where we wanted to go and how we wanted to be as a, as a business so in
1: other than the challenges in preparing the documentation and then writing down your process to align to the five pillars under the certification. What other challenges did you run into during the certification?
0: So, you have to be able to back up everything that you are claiming, you have to back it up with proof. And so, if we say that we are helping, marginalized and vulnerable populations through our clients' work, right? Because we work with charities that help the homeless. We help charities that feed the poor, et cetera, et cetera. We actually had to go and itemize how many causes we support that um, support women's equality, for example, or that help the homeless or that help, you know. And I had never really tracked any of that information you know they were just of course we have a database a basic database for our business but we weren't tracking the things that mattered we were tracking traditional business metrics (laughs) you know
1: profitability revenue sales all the marketing metrics yeah
0: exactly we were never tracking whether our supply chain had women led or minority owned uh, businesses for example whereas now in our crm we have a checkbox and if we're working with a supplier who is minority led or owned or women led or owned we now can can track that Um, in the same that we can also track how many b corps we're working with or for like we have our B Corps and we have our suppliers that we're trying to work with more B Corps to encourage our own community. And so we're trying to develop that reflex of going to our B Corp community first before we go to other businesses in terms of supplier. So I think the detail in in all of the certification is what caught me a bit off guard and I was really committed to doing the work because I believed in it. And I felt strongly that as soon as we would get all of that into place, it would really help bring our business to a whole new level. And it did because three years after certifying and one month after recertifying, COVID hit and our business stayed strong. We had no layoffs. We had a relatively smooth transition into working remotely. We had things in place to make sure that our clients were well cared for, that our staff was well cared for, and that we were able to just keep on. And, and that I truly believe was in large part to the lessons we learned through our first certification and in our recertification, because we had a really, really solid foundation for a strong business at that point
1: how being a B Corp certification or B Corp certified and having all these processes, documentation can really help you even to weather this pandemic, this COVID-19 storm. How? Can you give an example?
0: (laughs) When we found out that the pandemic was going to affect our health, our safety, our, our work, our lives, was to immediately gather the leadership team and focus on what do we need for our workers to feel safe and be productive and not have to worry about losing their jobs and their income and so on and so forth. And so being a B Corp and having had so much exposure to what it means to foster a really healthy work environment environment for your workers was what helped us get really strong, really fast around that first and foremost when COVID hit. And then we, we backed up a step and then we, we did the same exercise for our clients. You know, who are the clients that are going to be the most affected and what do they need from us? How can we step up? How can we help them? And developing this instinct of caring for others before you look at your bottom line. And I'm not saying that the bottom line isn't important, but it's not always the most important. (laughs) And I think becoming a B Corp, you're just constantly reminded of that. And if you can do everything else really well, the bottom line follows. And our company is proof of that because we saw 175% growth within a couple of years and that's just a testament to how strong a business can become when you get really good at governance, taking care of your team, taking care of your customers, taking care of your community and the environment. It all, it all comes together.
1: The 175% growth, is it because you are able to access the B Corp companies market that share the same value with you? Or... The 175% growth also coming from new clients that you probably introduce or making them believe or making them intrigue with the B Corp value. None
0: of that. None of that. <laughs> None really? of that. I will tell you okay, how please. this came about. <laughs> okay, so, please. Because now I know you're curious.
1: <laughs> yes, I am very curious.
0: Being a woman entrepreneur, I've learned that women entrepreneurs in general are not as courageous when it comes to seeking financing for their business. So I was self-funded for 17 years running the business. I had a you know, line of credit, was about the biggest risk I took. Um, and it wasn't that big a line of credit. But I was terrified of taking out a business loan. I also had tried many, many years ago to get a business loan to grow the business, and I was denied because of the type of work that we do. The bank looked at the the clients that we serve, didn't see that we had enough revenues to to really back up the, the loan, so I wasn't considered for it. What happened when we became B Corp certified was I learned about B Corp banks and how B Corp banks like to have B Corp clients. And I developed a really great relationship with a B Corp bank and got to know what they had available and had some great conversations with them. And they saw that I was really investing my own salary back into the business and just pushing and pushing to grow my business over so many years. And they knew that I had big aspirations for growing it further. But alone doing business development running the shop doing you know doing everything i needed to hire somebody to help me with sales and to do business development but i couldn't afford that salary just with the work that we were that i was generating on my own so i went to the bank i sought a loan for hiring an extra person and that's what made the difference and i couldn't believe it took me that long <laughs> to, to ask. I couldn't believe I got approved really quickly. And then I mean literally the rest is history. My now vice president joined the team 3 years ago. He and I split business development efforts seasoned agency guy with a, with a heart of gold who understood where I was wanting to take the business. And we have just been uh, a great, great team to grow things since he came on board. So that's really the reason that we saw such incredible growth was because I finally realized that I needed to reach out, ask for help get the money to get that help and get on with it. And the rest, I mean, we we doubled the team in that same year. We went, we used to be a team of four. Now we're a team of 10 with an extra 10 collaborators who work on a freelance basis with us. So when I look back to where we were three, three, four years ago with a team of as many people, um, we're now a team of 20 (laughs) you know and and it's extraordinary the the reach that we now have and uh, the credibility too it came hand in hand with our 20th anniversary last year where people kind of looked up and said oh wow yeah you guys are pretty established you know what you're doing you know so that's that's a nice place to arrive at at the same time that the team was coming together in a really strong way
1: that's an amazing story. And thank you for sharing that because you are absolutely right. A lot of women entrepreneurs, we are not courageous enough to go out there and ask for money. And then especially if you are being rejected mm-hmm. over and over again by the bank, like you become you become scared. Like it's just human nature. Some people are just so good to get rejection and then keep trying. What is the difference of working with a B Corp Bank than the traditional bank. What are the key difference that you experience in the process of getting your loan?
0: I mean, the number one thing was was mission and purpose. They really admired our business for not only for for the seventeen years that we had been in business self self funded, but the fact that we were doing good. In addition to being able to maintain, you know, steady growth, you know, it was, it was modest growth. You know, we had a little bit of growth year over year, in, even through like two financial crises and and, uh, and other, you know, situations where we had a few bumps in the road. But they really asked us more questions about uh, the future of our business, um, the types of clients that we work with, the impact that we're having in the community beyond just providing employment to a handful of people, but really the, the impact we were having on our community. And, and we don't, you don't usually get questions like that from a traditional bank. So that's what really um, shows that, you know, the, that B Corp mindset of looking beyond the bottom line is, is so important.
1: Did they ask you anything at all um, about financial planning, about financial projection? Does it matter
0: to them? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, the first thing that we did after we got the loan and we got up and running with this, this growth spurt that we were in was I turned to them to get financial planning guidance because I had never, that was my, you know, a creative person by nature, I didn't have. I didn't have an MBA. I didn't go to business school. I was just learning as I went along. I, I had very few concepts about, you know, cash flow projections and 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 all these KPIs and what was That it was old school business talk, as far as I was concerned. And I, I because I knew nothing of it, I hid from it, right? And so, what you don't know, you you tend to stay away from. And I recognized years of struggling were in part, were solely my responsibility because I wasn't owning up to what I didn't know. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So it was hard for me to really identify where I needed the strengthening. But it became clear as the company started earning more money and we had more responsibility with, with you know more staff that I really needed to harness the, the business side of it and not just be on the creative side and on the development side of it, but really understand the inner workings of, of budgeting and planning. Because now I had so much more on the line, right? I had taken a loan, I had taken risk. And so with risk comes responsibility. And so my, my partner and I signed up for a financial consulting service that was also provided by the bank. And we worked three, four months with an amazing individual who taught me the ropes and really outlined a really healthy way for us to track our finances and be more accountable. And that helped on so many levels. It helped me sleep at night. It helped me better explain to my team, you know, what our goals were and and how they were a part of that success or or not, you know. And and being able to have enough knowledge of, of profit margins and projections and so on to be able to speak intelligently to my team about it. That was so liberating and exciting. When we're talking about financial planning, many people are thinking like, oh,
1: it's about profit. How do you incorporate all of this impact, social impact, the sustainable development goals that you set up for your company into your financial planning? Did the bank teach
0: you? Did the advisor help you with that? That was done a little bit more in-house, I would say, because we, we had these discussions at the leadership level in our business. I also took a long look at what I was hoping in terms of my personal aspirations for the business. We basically looked at it from a budget st- an annual budget standpoint of what do we want to be able to do? So if we want to be able to make more, let's just say office supplies, right? Basic office supplies. I mean, we're pretty much a paperless business, but we still have office expenses. But just in the choice of let's say, cleaning products for the office, right? And that's something that everybody can relate to. So if you go and you buy a regular bottle of cleaning slice, let's say $2.50 for the bottle, right? If you want to buy an eco-friendly B Corp certified product, it's probably going to be $4 a bottle. There's a price for doing good <laughs> and so we had to factor that in if we wanted to outsource web development for example because we build websites and sometimes we, ha- we can't do all the work in-house so we want to outsource to other professionals I could outsource to India for six dollars an hour right but, but Is that a living wage? You know, is that the fair compensation for a worker in that country to be paid that amount per hour? You have to look at the ethical side of that. And if the answer is no, then we're not going to go with that option. We're going to maybe pay whatever the minimum living wage is. And in in our city, that's a minimum of $15 an hour you know, there was no more paying a minimum wage. We wanted to pay everyone a living wage. And so those also affected our numbers because we knew we would never pay anyone, whether it's an intern or anybody on the team, that we would never pay them less than living wage. And so we had to incorporate that into our budgets as well. So we got to step up our sales and make sure that we can cover all of that. And then from the profit standpoint, we designed a number where we, we said, Each year we will give, you know, a certain percentage to philanthropy, right? So we're going to give money to charities. We're going to save a certain percentage to reinvest into the business. We're going to save another percentage to share with the staff, the profit sharing with the staff. And the remainder is for for dividends. Once we had those percentages calculated, it became easier for us to know what we were working with from that level in terms of at the end of the year, when we do have a profit, this is how it's going to be distributed.
1: So are you doing your financial planning using the bottom up approach, meaning that Do you determine your profit first? Then you start working out on your expenses, on how those expenses relate to the social impact that you are making. Then you determine the sales at the end of the day. Is that how you do it? Or was there a different way that
0: you were being taught by the advisor? First thing he said was, What do you want to achieve in the next three years? And I said, I want to triple. I want to triple in three years. And he looked at me like I was nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really felt like we needed to be at a at a higher level of, of operating and, and revenues and 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 you know. And so he looked at those numbers with me and he said, okay, what is that what is that number going to be if we look at tripling in three years? And that 175% growth that I referred to earlier is a direct result of me just being crazy and throwing a number out there saying, I want to hit that. <laughs> you know, that's what we've been doing. Um, and and so working back from that number, we we went bottom up and we went top down. Having had the financial training at this point and spreadsheets to work with and great tables to work from and so on, and that's, that's what helped guide our, our decisions. And right now we're preparing for our next fiscal year because our, our fiscal year ends September 30th. So we're right in the budget phases right now and, and we're looking at, you know, what is it going to take in terms of, you know, growing our team and staying sustainable and staying on course for what we want to achieve in terms of our B Corp goals. And we're working that, we're working it in. So at the end of the day, we, we try to obviously maximize profit, but not at the expense of our, of our staff or our community or the environment.
1: I saw on your website, you have selected 10 sustainable development goals under the United Nations. What do you want to focus on? Can you share the type of metrics that you are measuring?
0: to make sure you achieve those goals? We identified five goals that we could impact through our clients' actions, meaning that we would prioritize working with clients that were focused on SDG 3, which is good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, reduced inequalities, and climate action. In part it was because we were already working with many of those types of causes, but also because as a team, these were the causes that really, you know, meant a lot to us. Obviously, gender equality and reduced inequalities, being a, a, a woman CEO, those were were near and dear to my heart. But also because over the last 20 years, these these are the areas that we've worked in quite a lot. So we have a lot of experience there. And that allows us to then go and get more business in those, in those areas. Then there were five other goals that we knew we could have impact on because of the choices we make as a business. Decent work and economic growth, which is SDG number eight, that we could control because we can pay our people well, we can hire in our communities, we can provide jobs. So we were playing an active role in the economic growth from that respect. Um, su- sustainable cities and communities was also one of them, responsible consumption and peace and justice and strong institutions and partnerships for the goals were the were the five that we wanted to focus on uh, as a business because those were things that we felt that we could set a good example to other businesses. We could go and talk about our SDG work and talk about our B Corpness, and we could partner with others who were interested and like minded who wanted to do similar work. So all of those things were were how we, we we decided to to focus on those the five that we could control and the five that our clients had the most uh, you know impact.
1: Oh, okay. So the five, the good health and well-being, quality education, gender equality, reduce inequalities, and the climate change, you assign that to the client side, meaning that you want to focus on the client, on those clients that have the same value. Is that what you mean? That's right. Can you give me a measurement metric on how, for example, quality education, how do you
0: measure that? So in that case, that's a client-facing goal. And so we work with a lot of organizations that work in education. So we work with schools, we work with universities, we work with organizations that train people in getting employment, you know, that might come from marginalized or vulnerable vulnerable groups. That's part of how, by helping them, In their goals, we're helping the larger goal. Same thing with gender equality. You know, we work with a number of charities that are fighting for women's rights, that are helping victims of sexual abuse, that are helping, you know, in in so many different ways. Uh, And so in in us helping them do their work better, we are contributing to those goals.
1: I'm curious if all of the SDG does have Financial
0: implication? I think it, for us, it provides focus. If you're focused, you can be more efficient. If you can be more efficient, you can be more profitable. So that's how I look at it. It also helps us make selections of who to work with. Because if you can imagine working in the space that we work in, we want to help people who are doing good in the world, and we work with charities. There are hundreds and thousands of very good, well-deserving charities out there in the world. And we can't, we can't possibly help all of them. (laughs) Even (laughs) though, even though I've tried to find a way to do it, we can't, you know? (laughs) So who, who should we be focusing on helping this? The, the choice of these SDGs has helped us kind of do a triage, right? Based on, on our strengths and our experience, we know that we can have the greatest impact with our work with those five groups. It doesn't mean that we won't work with anybody who is focused on life below water, for example, which is another SDG. We, we wouldn't turn them away because they don't fit into our five little buckets. But the point is, is that we have a higher chance of helping an organization working in you know health for example because we have 20 years of experience we know what their challenges are we know the inner workings of their sector because we've been in that sector for for many years and so we don't have to take time to learn all the ins and outs because we've learned it through many other you know projects with other clients and so i think that that helps us hit the ground running when we start a new project with a client is that we're very much in their space we're very much in their world and we know what they're, what they're up against, you know? So, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of common challenges in the charitable space. So I think that the fact that we're niche and that we're niche within our niche really helps uh, in that respect.
1: Now, can you give an example where you run into a situation where you have to choose profit over social impact?
0: I would say that there are some projects We have the good fortune to work with some very well-established large organizations that have the budgets to do really good work and we get paid well to do that work. There are others that are struggling that have Next to no budgets that are, you know, literally lifting up the sofa cushions to to find a quarter a loony hiding under there. But their work is so amazing, and they're just they just need a little bit of help to get them to the, you know, to get them over the hump and really make a difference. And so we usually try to adapt to the budgets that are available and within reason, and and that. That is a difficult choice that we make every week. There was one case many years ago where the Missing Children's Network was at a crossroads and they needed to rebrand. They really, really needed to shake up things after being, you know, uh, working in, for the last 25 years in that space. We decided to do a, a whole year of pro bono work for them. And it was just... Uh, it, we couldn't say no. They were just, they were doing such amazing work and they needed so much help. And so we decided to offer our services and they have been, they've turned into such a wonderful client. Um, it, the, the rebranding exercise that we did for them gave them new, new life and new energy and they've been able to do amazing things uh, since. The executive director has been such an amazing champion for our services. And so where we may not have had financial benefits that year from do- donating our work, we developed an amazing alliance with, with their team and they've helped us secure other mandates.
1: Kim, one last question. What would be your advice for entrepreneurs out there who are thinking that they want to be b corp certified? How can they get started?
0: What do they need to think about? I would say talk about it. Get some basic information on the assessment, which you can find at at the B Corp website. Learn about what's involved in doing the assessment. You can even do the assessment for fun and not even have to certify as a B Corp. Don't make this a leadership decision. You have to have leaders in the business who want this, but it has to be the group that wants to make it happen because it has to come from the bottom up. It really does. And, and, and if the employees are not engaged, if, if, if management's not on board, it's not going to happen we have a team of three on our, on our, in our company called the beekeepers. And um, that's a thing. That's cute. Yes, It's a, it's a B Corp thing. So we, we have our, we have our beekeepers and they're, they're in charge of, you know, uh, keeping us aware of our goals and, and what we're working towards as we continue to improve ourselves, you know, but you can also set up a little beekeeping team within your company of those people who are interested in how your employees are taken care of, how you're working in your community, the environment, how you're taking care of your, customers and all of that. And there's just so many different angles that you can work on to improve your situation that uh, I'm sure that many companies will find that there's a lot of interest from a lot of different people on the team to, to participate and to, to help make it happen. And then I'd say just uh, set aside the time to go through the questions and start answering the easiest ones first, and then chip chip away at the ones that take a little bit more time and effort. And, and that documentation that I talked about, about backing it up. There's also a number of B Corps that are consultants who you can hire to help your company? If you're a larger business or if you have means, you can hire consultants to help you, walk you through the B Corp assessment. And, and that's a huge asset to have because there's, they really know the ins and outs and, and how to answer questions and so on and so forth. So if you can um, benefit from, from having that expertise, that can also help the process go a lot faster. Kim, where can people find you kim at phil.ca is my email address and phil.ca is the website phil.ca I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook (laughs) I work in marketing so I have to I know you do
1: (laughs) Kim thank you so
0: much for being here Thank you that was a wonderful talk Thank you so much for having me
1: And that brings us to the end of another show
0: Thank you so much for listening
1: to another episode of Her CEO Journey, the business finance podcast for women entrepreneurs. If you want to create a proactive financial plan and process for your business so you are ready to weather the financial storm over the next few months, let's chat and see what's possible for you. Book in a time to speak with me at ChristinaShahli.com forward slash let's chat.